Hello, and welcome to the Plug Podcast by B-Vibe. I'm your host, Luna Matadas. I'm a sex and pleasure educator. I can't get enough of talking about booty sex, confidence, communication, sensuality. So you asked for it, and we are delivering an episode all about queer women and anal sex. We were really excited that this was an audience request because anal sex as an act isn't gendered. Enjoying anal pleasure isn't attached to your sexual orientation or gender unless you want it to be. And everyone has a butthole, but not everyone likes it played with. So in this episode, we're asking why queer women aren't represented in anal sex education or conversations. How is anal pleasure different for queer women? What does genital pleasure have to do with anal pleasure? And so much more. I get to facilitate these fantastic conversations to help destigmatize and focus on anal pleasure thanks to B-Vibe. B-Vibe is known for its industry-changing way of approaching anal sex toys and pleasure education. I love hosting a podcast for this award-winning sex toy company and their high-end innovative sex toys. If you're enjoying the Plug Podcast, like or subscribe wherever you're listening and let us know what you'd like us to talk about next. Our guest, Gabrielle Kaysel, she is a wellness journalist who writes at the intersection of queerness, sexual health, and pleasure. Her work has appeared in publications such as Shape, Cosmo, Well and Good, Health, Self, Women's Health, Greatest, Bustle, and more. In her free time, Gabrielle can be found coaching CrossFit, reviewing pleasure products, or recording episodes of her podcast, Bad in Bed, the Queer Sex Podcast. Let's jump into this super fun and knowledge-filled conversation with Gabby. Gabby, I <laughs> I'm so excited that I get to interview today about queer women and anal because I feel like through throughout the time that we've gotten to know each other, your your perspectives have been so inspiring, like wisdom filled and and also so relatable. So I'm mm. really excited to have this conversation with you. And so welcome, welcome to the plug. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I love sharing space with you. Your energy is contagious. I always leave feeling better than I left. So I'm 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 so excited to get into it. Oh, thank you for that. Okay, well, we'll get everyone excited about queer women on bus stuff today. And I would love to to kind of know, how did you get into talking about sex and sexuality? Like, how did that become part of your path? Oh, that's a great question. So a combination of luck and intentionality. So I majored in women's studies, specifically queer studies in college, which basically meant that I was going to school and writing about queerness and queer sex for my professors. So when I graduated college, I had an understanding that I actually wanted to keep doing that. And I wasn't totally sure what that was going to end up looking like. It ended up looking like me getting an internship at one of the magazines in New York City, um, writing for them. And at first, I was writing about queer sex and sex in general, absolutely zero, right? When I entered the industry, folks really weren't talking about the subjects like you talk about on this podcast. A lot of it was just answering questions that folks might have about how to pleasure their man. Mm. Then something happened. And about late 2017, Google more or less said to these companies, we want you to put out informational guides and articles on topics like lesbian sex and scissoring and anal sex so that when people Google search it, we have informational content to share over pornographic content. 
And so for the first time, these companies, which had been staying away from topics, especially around queer sex, because their point of view was, well, queer people make up 10% of the population. If we write about queer sex, we're only going to get one-tenth of the readership. They finally had a reason to be writing these topics because Google was literally going to help them get eyes on the article. And so what ended up happening is because people knew that this was an interest I had and I kept proposing and pitching ideas around queer sex and queer sexuality and getting shot down and shot down and shot down, people knew that I wanted to write about it. It was a situation of right time, right place. And then once that happened, I kind of fell into this niche where that was really what I write about. So you probably know me as like the queer sex educator and that's because it's exclusively what I now talk about. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And I, uh, thanks for explaining that. Cause like to, to see how industry can influence access to, to this, this information, because it's not stuff people get in their high school sex ed. It's not stuff that we find really credible resources for. A lot of it is from perspectives that maybe don't represent a wide variety of queer people and the diversity of queer people. And I think you do a really good job of that. I think I, I see myself in, in lots of the things that you write about. I see it as um, sparking curiosity and being a muse for for exploration. So it's it's amazing to have writers like you that are and educators like you that are are bringing this quality of content into the space. And you you and uh, badass Bobby are are running this amazing podcast. So tell us about the podcast. Tell us about Bad in Bed. Sure. So it's called Bad in Bed. It's a queer sex education podcast. And basically the joke of the title Bad in Bed is that Bobby and I are bad in bed. And we are using this podcast as a way to teach ourselves by interviewing experts like yourself about different queer sex education topics, ranging from anal sex to strap on sex to scissoring to threesomes, which was your episode. And so our our goal of the podcast is to make queer sex education feel really relatable. And hopefully we do that. Okay, goal achieved because I first of all I had a great time as a guest talking about threesomes and I I also I loved the opportunity to focus on on queering threesomes and mm. what what does it mean to let go of heteronormative ideas about these sexy fantasies or these sexy activities. And I also I, I it's such a, a humble podcast. Like it, it really says like hey, yeah, like we're not about trying to be like the best or worst at sex. We're we're just trying to unpack what it would look like to get better sex from our perspectives and what what that looks like for our relationship so it is such a fun podcast we're going to link it for our folks in uh the show notes so that people can check that out too so thank you for creating all these ways of of learning about queer sex ed the queer sex ed we all need oh gosh i feel so touched to, to have you say all that thank you yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. Um, and I think the the idea of of queering sex um is is not only applicable for for queer people, right? And so, can you talk a little bit about what what queering our sex might look like or what that means? Yeah, I love this question. So I identify as a queer sex educator, but I say that in an ideal world, I wouldn't have to add that adjective of queer on top of that. And so, to explain kind of what I mean when I say that, let's just backtrack and define sex. There's this really narrow understanding that, like, sex is a penis going inside of a vagina and moving very, very, very fast. And sex is so much more expansive than that, right? Sex can be a feeling. Sex can be hand stuff. Sex can be oral. Sex can be dancing. Sex can be solo. It can be partnered. It can be multi-partnered. So when I think about sex, I like to define it as any meaningful act of pleasure. And once you do that, you kind of take out this sort of, like, cis-het framework that informs sex in general 
and therefore makes the adding the queer less essential. So when I say, you know, let's talk about queer sex, really we're talking about the different ways that people who connect to the word queer can access pleasure. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. Thank you for breaking that down. Because I think we, we can see heteronormativity. We can see the, the heterosexual behaviors that have been prioritized as, as most important or most rewarding that we all see in movies. We see in love songs. We see like repeated to us everywhere. I mean, we as queer people can also adopt those and um, heterosexual people can, can also adopt them in ways that maybe aren't actually serving what they want, you know, maybe it's not mm. actually what they want. And and so I, I love this conversation that we're having today about queer women, because I, I think this is a conversation that we don't see as often. I think when we talk about queer sex, we're we're often the, the information has focused largely on uh, gay cis men. And I mean, that's partly due to public health sort of initiatives around STIs and, and things like that and sort of evolved in that space. But for for queer women, I mean, there there's so many opportunities for us to get more connected to our, our sexual possibilities. And so can you tell us maybe what might be lacking in, in what you've seen as a queer sex educator for, for queer women's spaces to learn about pleasure? Oh my gosh. I mean, you nailed it. I, folks are not talking about the fact that queer women, one, have sex, two, have queer sex, and then three, have queer anal sex. Like you absolutely nailed it when you said that. And I think some of this is like multifaceted. One, I think in our society, there's this kind of understanding that men sleep with women, cis men sleep with cis women. And the goal there is either procreativity or for the male to orgasm, right? When queer women are having sex, both of those things are completely taken off the table. So there's this kind of underlying question of like, well, why do they have sex if those things aren't on the table? Uh, Pleasure. Pleasure is meaningful in its own, right? (laughs) Yeah. And then beyond that, I think there's this sort of false narrative that really permeates our society where women don't want sex, that they do not Mm. desire for sexual touch, that instead it is something they do for their partners as opposed to for themselves. And Mm. so queer women are faced with sort of these two really pervasive myths around why we have sex, who has access to sex, and like what the goal of sex is. Yes, yes. Like that, that focus on um, the goal looking a particular way just from what we've learned, what we've seen. I mean, so much of that stuff is is internalized in us, too. Mm-hmm. And, and we kind of for me that I didn't even realize that there would be a different way. And even when I decided that, that, Oh, like maybe my sex can look different than it looks like with, with cis men, you know, what, what does that, how does that actually show up? And, and I didn't actually have a lot of um, information sources. Like I was a, a huge fan of auto, still am of auto straddle. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of the few places where we're seeing like focus on, on queer women's um, sexual experiences, but we, we don't necessarily get the info we need to, to have the sex that we want. And, and so how, how do you think that if you're a queer woman and, and you're looking for, for information around anal sex, you know, where, or you want to t- start talking with your partner about it or exploring anal masturbation, you know, what would you say if, or where can someone start or what might be some of the barriers even to starting? I mean, I had a lot of shame about butt stuff <laughs> and um, now I'm a host of an anal sex podcast, but you know, we, <laughs> the, the evolution continues, but yeah, I think, I think for me, there was a, a big challenge in knowing even where to start. Like, is this something I want to pursue? Isn't this, you know, all those messagings around that the anus has pleasure in this way or it's dirty or whatever. So where can someone start? 
Yeah, I think the the question of why might somebody, why might specifically a queer woman have interest in exploring anal is a good question. So let's kind of like explore why that is because there definitely is this myth that women do anal for men because the butthole is quote unquote tighter than the vagina as if tightness is the penultimate thing that people should be looking for during sex. And it is not something that they do for themselves as a way to achieve pleasure. Okay, Mm. that is wrong, wrong, wrong. Sure, anal sex might feel good for the person who is doing the penetrating, but it can also absolutely feel good for the person who is receiving regardless of their anatomy. Now, here's where that sort of piece of it gets a little complicated. I do feel like publications and mainstream media is doing a better job at talking about why somebody might want to be pegged or why somebody might want to receive anal sex. But so much of this conversation is about why people with prostates, which is most people with penises, might want to try anal sex, right? So much of the information out there about receptive anal play is about, well, do it because it could stimulate your prostate, which is defined as sort of like the analogous structure of the G spot or the G zone. And so, you know, that's problematic for a few reasons. One, because it forces folks to like really justify why they're having anal sex. And instead of just like letting them have it because it feels Mm. good, right? You have to kind of like But this anatomical structure is the reason we're doing it. The other thing that's problematic about that is that it creates this myth that people who don't have prostates, which most people people who don't have penises, okay, um, like that there would be no reason for them to want to receive anal play. And that's just downright false. So let's talk about why somebody who doesn't have a prostate might want to enjoy anal play. So the anal canal... And the vaginal canal, they're fucking next door neighbors. Okay. And they are next door neighbors in an apartment building with thin ass walls. Like thin ass walls. Like if the vagina goes through a breakup and starts blasting paramore music, the fucking anal canal is gonna hear it. You understand? Like these these two spaces, these holes, these crevices in our body are so, so connected. So when you anally penetrate somebody, you have the opportunity to access internal hotspots that exist along the vaginal wall, right? On top of that, the anal canal in and of itself has nerve endings, especially that entrance. It can create a sustained feeling of fullness that some people find really pleasurable. And on top of it, there is this sort of taboo aspect, right? Like anal sex does have this sort of um, like, secret secret and for a lot of people taboos can be really arousing you know especially i mean i'm one of those people right i'm like ooh, taboo let's try it did you know that plugs aren't just for buttholes you can plug up other holes too like the vagina b vibes textured plug collection which was designed by the dildo duchess herself zoe ligon are plugs that can be used vaginally too. There are three different textures and sizes of plugs. You've got the bump, the swirl, and the twist. For vaginal play, I really like the twist. Uh, It's the largest of the plug, and it's got these rings of texture around it that feel great when you're grinding and it's pushing against the vaginal walls. So you're getting access to the internal parts of the clitoris. These plugs are waterproof and vibrating. So just remember to keep butt stuff in the butt and wash your plug before swapping holes. 
head over to bvibe.com and use code anal4queer. So that's A-N-A-L, the number four, and then Q-U-E-E-R-S and get 25% off of all Bvibe products between January 26th, 2022 and February 2nd, 2022. Okay, so if you hear all of this and you're like, okay, anal play, definitely something that I'm interested in exploring, you've got kind of like two options. You can try it on your own or you can communicate with a partner or partners about trying it together. In general, I'm a really big fan of people exploring any part of their body on their own before exploring with their partner for the main reason being that we're able to respond to our own touch more quickly than our partner is. So if something feels good, we can lean into that readily. And if something feels not good, we can easily move our hand or our finger or toy faster than our partner is, even if we're in the best communicators in the world. So how might somebody choose to anally masturbate? It depends. First things first, if you're going to use a toy, please make sure that it has a flared base. That means that it should kind of look like a carrot. That carrot top keeps the toy anchored outside of the body. Unlike the vagina that has an anatomical stopping point, which is the cervix, which keeps things from traveling, traveling up and up and up, the anal canal does not have that. It keeps going up and up to our digestive system all the way to our mouths. So that's the noise it's going to make. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So you want something that has kind of a stopper or a flared base that will keep that toy rooted outside of the body. Folks can absolutely start with anal toys. I think a lot of people feel comfortable with that. There's a lot of different types of anal toys on the market, right? We've got anal beads. We've got butt plugs. We've got prostate massagers. We've got dildos. In general, I recommend starting with a really small butt plug. And If you can find a really small vibrating butt plug, that would actually be my recommendation for a few reasons. So why might somebody want to use a butt plug? A butt plug goes into your butthole and then stays in your butthole. And then you kind of just like hang out there with it in it. And it can create a fun sensation of pleasure, especially if you keep it in while you masturbate the ways you might normally, right? Maybe that means pinching your nipples or diddling your clit or touching your taint or whatever that looks like for you. But if it vibrates, you don't actually have to put that butt plug in your butt to receive pleasure. You can turn on the vibration and just use the sort of head, the nozzle of the the plug to tease your entrance. I'm a really big Mm. fan of folks when they get started. Don't worry about getting something all the way in there. Just tease your body. Get used to the idea. And I think vibration is something that can feel really pleasurable. Something I like to do when I masturbate is to take a lot of lube. You know, I like water-based lube. Some folks like silicone-based lube. And a clean finger, you know, no nail. And just circle my anal opening with the lube in my finger. To me, that really stimulates the sensation of analingus or a rim job. It's wet. It's pleasurable. There's no penetration. It feels really good. You're touching all the hot spots, hot spots. So one of those three ways, I think, are a really great way to, to sort of start with anal play. Oh my gosh, those are fantastic. I, I, I love hearing you explain it in ways that, um, you know, people are, are can, can combine their exploration of anal pleasure with all the other things that they already like, like diddling their clit or, or mm-hmm. touching their nipples um, and, and trying it on their own. Sounds like a really great way to just get curious without the pressure of like, this has to feel good, must have analgasm. And I was going to say, and two, some people will like set out to explore anal play. And so immediately they lay on the bed and they go for 
their butthole. And it's like, whoa, 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 hold up. Where is the lead up to this, right? Just as you might ease yourself into other kinds of masturbation, take some time to lead yourself into anal masturbation. Don't be afraid to get yourself turned on in whatever ways. Heck, you might even choose to masturbate to the point of orgasm or pleasure how you usually do before at the tail end of your session, bringing in the tail. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you know I love a pun. That was really good. That was really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give you a little pause here. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's an awesome way to maximize full body arousal. So you're like sitting in this puddle of like you're very close to the edge or maybe you've already had one or two orgasms and then you can start to explore this other erogenous zone. And for some people, I think there's um, also an opportunity to enhance their vaginal play. And so maybe mm. you're not actually doing anything with your butt, but like you said, like slipping in a plug um, that's smaller, that that vibrates and we'll give you some recommendations in the show notes too. Uh, but to, to have these kinds of, of toys that are adding sensation to another erogenous zone, maybe while you're going to your go-to zone, your clit or your labia or your vagina or whatever, whatever you're doing. Yeah. Do you have tips for, for kind of using both? So if you're not so much for the thrusting part of, of anal pleasure, but you want kind of the sensation or the fullness Mm, I love that idea. Um, I think a good place to start is make sure you're really aroused, right? Use your yeah. hand. Lube, 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 lube. Rule number three, remember the rule of never go from your anus to your vagina. So if you are using your fingers for both, maybe have one hand for your front hole and one hand for your back hole. Um, if you're using two toys, keep the back hole toy for the back hole and have fun. You know, don't get too worried about it. Lean into the sensations that feel good. Folks have a tendency to overthink what feels mm. good, especially as far as the bum hole is concerned because there is a lot of stigma um, because that is where poop comes out. So don't be afraid to like, if you feel like your butthole is puckering and inviting you to go deeper or harder or faster, so long as it feels good, hell, lean into that. There is no way, wrong way to fuck your own ass. Yes, yes. Put that on a t-shirt and just like bring it out there. <laughs> I don't know and where then, you'd be able to wear that shirt. Oh my no. God, so funny. <laughs> and then Luna, I think something else that's maybe interesting for folks to know is, you know, we know that the queer population has higher rates of anxiety and depression, right? Like we know that at baseline research shows that. A very common medica medical solution for that is to prescribe folks SSRIs. SSRIs can really fuck with folks' ability to self-lubricate in their vaginal canal and or reach orgasm. For some queer women or for people in general who are on SSRIs, the anal canal can be a really fun way for folks who aren't able to experience orgasm through vaginal or clitoral play because of their SSRIs to access pleasure that they didn't know existed. Ooh, that is brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. That's such an important context uh, for for our emotional well-being and how it connects to our pleasure health. And you also mentioned something else around health that I, I think is so important around, you know, keeping butt stuff in the butt. So you, you can't switch between, you know, your dildo that's going in your vagina and then popping that dildo in the butt. Do you have tips for, for kind okay, of- wait, let, me talk, let, let me talk about yeah. that for a second. Okay. Yeah. So I want folks to remember not to- switch from back hole to front hole. And also, I want to be really clear that that's not because the butthole is dirty necessarily. Um, you know, poop is not stored in the anal canal itself. It is stored higher up in the body. So you are not going to enter an anal canal and 
put your finger or a butt plug into a pocket of poop. That is not how that works. The anal canal is basically going to be void of fecal matter. There may be like maybe slight little particles here and there along the anal canal if you didn't have a sufficient empty. But for the most part, the anal canal is really fine and you do not need to douche if you do not want to douche, which is like the act of cleaning out the anal canal. The reason that you don't want to go from the butthole to the vagina is because Even though it is not a dirty space, the anal canal, it is a part of the body that has a lot of bacteria, right? All parts of our body have bacteria. Our skin, our mouth, our nose, our vagina. And when you introduce the butt bacteria to the vagina bacteria, there is a much higher risk of infection. And that is just because it's foreign bacteria entering the vagina. So I just want to be really clear that the reason that you don't want to do that go from the butthole to the front hole is not because the butthole is inherently dirty. It's just because the bacterial mixing and swishing around in your vagina can increase your risk for infection because it's going to disrupt the pH potentially. Yeah. Thank you for for pointing that out because I think that links to so much shame that people have around like, oh, we're playing with a dirty area. This is a toilet area. This is an unsanitary Mm. area. So to put that in perspective, and I'm such a big fan of mostly because I'm lazy, but I like putting condoms on all my toys. Right. And because it makes it easier. And there's also toys that I have that are are older toys. And, you know, like after a while, sometimes silicone, it it holds like a, a butt stink. And no matter like washing it or like sanitizing it, like it, it really, it, it just kind of has this like, like where I'm like, mm, I know you were in my butt. Mm-hmm. And, and so like condoms really, really help with that. Um, they also help if you're doing things where you might be sharing toys and then, so you can easily just slip the condom off and then pop it on and you can both have, you can switch over who's holding the remote for the butt plug. Yeah. So thank you for, for pointing that out. Yeah, and finger condoms, too, are a great option for smaller toys. Um, You know, if you're not putting a dildo-sized object in your rear, a finger condom can slide over a butt plug pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. Well, great tip on the finger condoms. Yeah. Um, I also uh, think there's there's a, a some sort of gap in conversation around the givers of, of anal sex when we're talking about queer women. So whether you're strapping it on or maybe you're doing something with your fingers, like what pleasure is there in in the giver? Oh my God, we're going to talk about my favorite topic, which is strap on sex. But before we get to that, in general, bringing a person who you are choosing to have a sexual encounter with pleasure is in and of itself pleasurable. So regardless of how you incorporate anal into your into your play, if you whether it's licking their butt or anal fingering or pushing the butt plug in or pulling the anal beads or strapping on and thrusting, if you are bringing somebody else pleasure, that feels good. Like that yeah. feels good and that can't be understated. Um, yeah. Something I love to talk about and think about when it comes to anal play is how good it can feel for the giver who is strapping on, right? Because sometimes folks think about strap on sex and they're like, well – A dildo doesn't have nerve endings, like you're not going to be able to feel, and that is true, but there can, one, be a really gender euphoric thing that happens for some folks when they strap on that can create pleasure. Two, depending on what kind of strap-on you use, right, there are hand harnesses or hand strap-ons, thigh strap-ons, pelvic strap-ons, you can actually stimulate different erogenous zones with the tail end or the base of the dildo, right? So if somebody puts a harness on and the base of the dildo is pressed against their pubic mound, the repeated pressure that they are able to feel against their pubic mound when they are going in and out of a butthole is going to feel good. 
Same goes if that base is against a clit, right? There are some folks who can orgasm from strapping on alone because the pressure, the pleasurable rhythm of the base of the dildo against their clit is able to bring them to orgasm. So both mentally, right, you're strapped on, you're kind of in control. Emotionally, you're bringing somebody who care about pleasure. And then physically, it can be pleasurable to give anal sex. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many, there's so many visuals. Like you're, you're saying the, the feeling of giving someone pleasure is, is one part. And I want to hear that person have pleasure. That turns me on. I want to watch them take it. I want to hear them ask for more. And I think what you mentioned also about the anatomy around the pubic mound is something that we do hear about in, in sort of when we're talking about heterosexual sex. So we hear mm. the pound, 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 like people like pound, pound, pound. And, and that isn't because of the vagina. It's, it's mostly because of, of the pubic mound and the, mm. the clitoral kind of access through there. And uh, I definitely have, I, I love strapping it on for, for anybody of any gender, especially for anal, anal sex. And um, strap on play brings me immense physical pleasure as well as this, this emotional, I've squirted from, from strap on play. Like it's, it's like, fuck yeah. So I, I know I want to put it on my resume. I feel like that's a thing, but <laughs> but I feel there there's so much to take in, and we're we're sometimes as the doer, I do get focused on okay, I want to make sure I'm not hurting them. I want to make sure, but then like once the if someone is communicative and affirming of yes, that feels good, or go slower, or this, then I can trust and sink into my own pleasure. So I think for mm-hmm. bottoms or anybody who's a receiver, you know, affirm. We want some top cookies. I want I want some. You're doing me good cookies. That's what I'm looking for. I love that. Something, too, that I love to think about when it comes to receptive anal play or just, you know, penetrative anal play is it doesn't have to take place in the doggy style position. Like, doggy style is great in in front of a mirror, in my opinion, even better. But have you ever seen the show Queers Folk? Yes. Okay. The first time that there is on-screen sex in that show, they have anal sex in the missionary position, and it absolutely blew my mind. I mean, like, it makes me emotional now to think about the intimacy that you can feel between the two characters as they are having sex in that way is so palpable. And it's the same thing when you get to explore anal sex that way in your own life. So remember that missionary sex, you know, face-to-face sex, eye contact, mouth contact is possible. Um, in, in anal sex. Some folks forget that and feel like maybe it's a little bit uh, too in intimate, non-intimate. In, in, in an intimate? I don't know. What's the opposite of intimate? <laughs> Someone tell us. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> hell, if, if, if you're listening to this and you want to have anal sex with your partner and you're not really sure how to bring it up, put on the first episode of Queer as Folk. They'll see that scene <laughs> and, and, and they'll come to you wanting to try it. You'll trick them into thinking it's their idea. I love that that you brought up queer as folk because we 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 rarely see you know any sort of depiction of of queer women when we we see the rare occurrences of um anal sex in the media and even when we see it in the media it's often I mean, it, it it's a lot of um, very violent, very rough. You know, we think of Brokeback Mountain. We think of mm. like, you know, kind of um, it's not romanticized in the same way or it's not there isn't as much intimacy shown in, in how we see other types of sex. And even though there's problems with that, too. Um, so I love that, that you're bringing up also. Yeah. Like, you know, give something to your partner and be like, this is the way I want to do it. This this is what I want this to look like. You know, not what we saw in Brokeback Mountain or on the panel compilation on you know like whatever Pornhub thing you're looking at yeah would you have other tips for kind of bringing up anal with your partner 
If if you talk about porn or you watch porn with your partner, Crash Pad or Crash Pad series has a ton of really sexy anal sex porn, ranging from anal lingus to strap on anal to anal fingering. So I would recommend maybe asking them if you can send them a link or saying there's something I'd really love to send you. Um, you can use this podcast as an excuse. I was listening to this podcast about anal sex, and honestly, they made it sound really fucking good. Would you mind if I sent you the link to listen to, and then maybe you and I can talk about that, whether or not that's something we want to incorporate into our play. Um, oh. B-Vibe also has a really robust, robust blog section, so maybe scroll around there, see if there's a blog article that you'd have interest in sending your partner. Um I stumbled on this thing, and then I learned something, and I want you to learn it. How about you learn, and then we talk about what you learned, right? That can be a oh. really powerful way to to get folks to have a conversation about different types of play. I love that, because all of those suggestions are without obligation. They're filled with curiosity or learning or expanding, and I think sometimes people feel they they might receive judgment for, mm-hmm. for bringing up a certain thing. And I kind of feel as a, you know, as a, a queer woman, um, I'm bisexual, pansexual, and I kind of uh, always had this assumption when I, I first started going into queer spaces or queer communities for dating that um, there would be sort of heteronormative stuff attached to me because I also enjoy having sex with men. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was, there I often went on dates where if I did bring up butt stuff, then I was either assumed in a particular position. So I was either assumed, mostly I'm assumed to be the top. um, Whereas with men, I'm assumed to be the bottom. And uh, I love being on Tinder because, uh, well, I'm banned from Tinder, but I'm, I like being on it because if any conversation comes up um, in, in a space where I'm talking to, to a man, they're, if we start talking about anal sex, you know, they'll say, yeah, I love to like pound it in hard. And like, it's so great. And I'm like, oh my God, me too. I love to pound it in hard. And and they're like, wait, what? And so there's this, you know, all these assumptions on both sides for me. Mm-hmm. So no matter what gender I'm, I'm dating there, there tends to be these cultural kind of assumptions from those sexual communities that, um, you know, there's, there's assumptions around bisexual women uh, having had more experience with, with anal sex because they they've had sex with men or because they enjoy sex with men. And, and I, I just want to bust a bunch of those. I think you're doing a great job of like showing us that everyone has a butthole and you can just do what you want with it. But um, just to affirm for people that, that you, your sexual orientation really has nothing to do with the types of activities that you choose. And I feel very strongly that people should consider themselves so lucky to get to make love to a queer person for a lot of reasons, but specifically from a pleasure front, when you're queer, when you're first learning how to have queer sex or how to have sex that you just so happen to be queer, you have to figure out what the fuck you're going to do because you have not been taught. And that requires such an absurd level of negotiation, communication, self-awareness, awareness of your partner, and vulnerability. And those are skills that queer people have to cultivate in order to have sex. So if you are getting to have sex with a queer person, you're getting to have sex with a person who has had to cultivate all of these skills that for the rest of their life is going to make their sex as pleasurable for themselves and also you as possible. I really can't understate like how grateful I feel to be queer because it has allowed me to harness and cultivate all these different skill sets in, in the bedroom that I feel like have really come out outside of the bedroom too. I'm getting a little sappy here, but it makes me really I emotional like to think about like a young queer GK 
like trying to figure out how to fuck for the first time and just like the ways in which that has like transformed my pleasure life for the good moving forward. I love that. I love that. I share a similar sentiment. I think I came out a lot later in life and I was married for 10 years monogamously to a man and we didn't really have any good sexual communication. We didn't have good communication, period. He's a lovely human, but like we mm. just didn't have the skills. I didn't have the skills. And so when I, I came out and I was exploring, I was kind of like, maybe I'm queer, maybe I'm kinky, maybe I'm a butt slut, you know? And I was like, let me do all the things. And I, I often coach a lot of people that that have this, you know, they're chomping at the bit to to do things or to experience things. And there's something that that holds them back. It, it's really about this self-judgment and to hear you really celebrate queer in in a pleasure way in an intimacy way in a connection way I think that's so validating you know if you if you have no other goal than to expand your pleasure and your capacity for for empathy and for sensuality and intimacy great like become become that person and offer that to to your partner so I'm glad mm. that you got sappy about that thank you I know I'm feeling <laughs> soft today apparently oh you're tender you're all tender <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask you also about, you know, is there is there something that like, how would you like to see, you know, queer women take up more space in uh, not only booty pleasure conversations, but in pleasure conversations in general? Like how how can we create more space for voices or what would those spaces look like? You know, what would you like to see happen for uh, queer women in pleasure? All right, I've got two main kind of things I think folks can do. One, yeah, yeah. queer folks are already experiencing pleasure, right? Queer women are already experiencing pleasure. So let's own that, right? That Ooh. could look like anything from celebrating the sex that you just had with the partner or partners that you just had it with to telling your friends about the sex that you just had if you have that kind of relationship or going on Reddit and talking about it if you love the anonymity of the internet. And two, I do think, I love queer people. I love queer community. And also not all queer people, not all queer community are all capital letters good. Um, I think that there can be judgment sometimes within the queer community around like certain ways people like to experience pleasure. Um, There are judgment calls around words like bottom or top, uh, stone, not stone, femme, butch, femme, whatever. And I would love if we could all remove all of those because while those labels can help folks find good or better partners or people they might be more likely to be sexually compatible with, they can also be incredibly limiting and put us into a box. So Mm. I would love for the queer community to move away from some of those sub labels once they stop working for folks um, and to stop making judgments around like tops and bottoms. Like our bodies are here to experience pleasure and let us all take joy in who is giving and receiving and what that looks like for us. Ooh, Gabrielle, that that is just like I got tingles for both of those pieces of advice or all that advice because I I think the the talking with your friends I I had one of my friends who's a queer woman she texted me after the first she first came over to my house before she went to go have anal and I packed her up with a dildo and lube and and then she went off to have sex and she texted me at like 2 a.m because some shit storm had happened and (laughs) there was shit everywhere and I was like I felt so blessed to hear about her shitstorm. Yes. And, and I think like normalizing these conversations so when we don't sit with what that was weird or like, oh my wait, God, wait, what do wait, I Wait, Luna, or, can you just clarify yeah. since we're talking about anal, when you say shitstorm, yeah. you mean? A literal shitstorm. Oh. Like shit everywhere. She oh. had like shit everywhere. <laughs> and, Got it. <laughs> Yeah, she didn't, she also, she didn't prep. I mean, it's a butt, but she also, she didn't prep. And um, she thinks that they went a little bit like too deep 
And so it's, they it. may be disturbed like the next bowel movement. Um, <laughs> Thanks for clarifying shitstorm. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, that's a fun turn of phrase she's using. <laughs> nope. No, literal. Yeah. Literal. yeah. I feel the same way when my friends text me about their sex lives or like call me with the excitement yeah. in their voice. GK, I tried this thing. Have you tried this? And then my leg went here. And then I did this thing with my oh. finger and I moaned and I was like, I love it. We love that. Oh, it's so good. It takes the stigma out of feeling like, oh, I should know how to do the sex. And and it puts back in, no, like sex is a skill. We got to swap information about this. We got to figure this thing out and like celebrate these moments of, oh, my body did this or I helped someone do this. I love that. I also feel so, so similarly about the the judgment. I think um, identification is is awesome. It, it Getting down to a granular level mm-hmm. of like, what are the pieces that make up you and how you mm-hmm. express them? I mean, Amazing. But I think over identifying and then having self judgment as well as community judgment on it, it's just like it's it's the exact words that you use this limiting it, it just feels like no, like, why don't we like, appreciate more dynamism? Let's appreciate more fluidity. Let's appreciate changing our mind. Let's appreciate redefining things differently. And I talk about this a lot when we talk about um, kink sex ed, because a lot of times kink focuses on the activities like spanking or rope or whatever. And I think of kink, I think of most sexual activities as vessels. And so they are just a vessel for whatever mood you want to put it in. Your butt stuff could be sensual. Isn't it? Isn't it? Like, (laughs) I feel like, yes, yes. It's a hot word. It is. Vessel is the hot word of the day. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, so thank you. I hope we can all be, you know, better vessels for our own pleasure and like Fuck figuring yeah. out like, what that looks like, right? Okay, oh my gosh. I'm in a t-shirt. I'm a vessel yes. for my own pleasure. Ooh. Okay, let's co-brand that. Let's just make this happen. And then Gucci or somebody else do it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, Gabrielle, thank you so much for everything that you brought to this conversation. You brought so much more than than I anticipated. And this episode was actually inspired by a question from one of our, our audience listeners. And they wanted a, a conversation about queer women and anal. And I think you delivered. Like there's so much, there's so much information in this. And you know, tell us what, what's coming up for you next. You know, where can we find you? What can we look forward to from Gabby? I love that question. Um, So my primary job is that I write articles about queer sex and then sometimes CrossFit, fun fact, across the internet. So to keep up with those and to learn from me on my podcast, follow me on Instagram at Gabrielle Cassell, my first name and then my last name smushed together. And then Bad in Bed is my podcast. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Ooh, fabulous. And we'll link all that stuff. So people, I love your CrossFit content. I mean, I am am a potato. I'll be honest. I'm I'm thirsty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can I can see that and <laughs> but it's so great. It's so great. Um thank you so much for being here with us. We really appreciate you. I appreciate you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Luna. It's so mutual. Oh, I am so glad that we had this conversation to increase inclusivity of anal sex conversations in general because stigma actually stifles us all. So whether you're a queer woman or you have sex with queer women, you know, the, the stigma around who likes anal and who doesn't like anal or who's allowed to like it, it really actually creates a, a community sort of sexual shame around the act of anal sex itself. So when we make assumptions about people's bodies or desires, 
We reduce opportunities to actually get to know people, to experience pleasure expansion in our own space and create empathy in and out of the bedroom. So a lot of stigma is actually fueled by systemic ideas about heteronormativity, about whose body should do what, or what sort of things are considered feminine, what things are considered masculine. And all of these ideas actually limit pleasure possibilities. And in reality, pleasure possibilities are infinite. So if you're exploring your body or somebody else's body and you might be unfamiliar with how they experience pleasure or you might want to suggest something that you think might expand the pleasure, talk with them. Have conversations that are curious. So conversations without obligation. You know, how do you feel about that? What do you think about this? Have you tried this? What was that like for you? Get genuinely curious and seek out seeking out information from your partner or through educational resources isn't a sign of unconfidence. Sex is a skill and our sexual confidence comes from feeling like we belong in our erotic experiences, not in a performance of what we think pleasure should look like. So if you have thoughts about this episode, maybe you've got another topic that you want to see us get into, leave us a voice message at speakpipe.com slash the plug podcast. I really love hearing from you and I'm so excited to see what you ask us about next. So until next time, friends, stay bootyful.